What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Padding the Stats podcast. As always, uh, I am Bose, and I have TK here with me. Yo. Uh, so this week, uh, in our preview episode, we're going to talk about some upcoming college football games, NFL games, a uh, UFC pay-per-view that will feature two title fights, and then we'll also talk a little NBA draft. Let's go ahead and start with college football. First game on the schedule, uh, we'll go to Indiana at Ohio State. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Just see where Indiana stacks up against the best of the best, I guess you could say. So we'll see. We'll see if they're legit or not. The battle for the Big Ten, I would call it personally. Yeah, I mean, uh, this will be Indiana's first true test of the year. So we'll kind of get a little gauge on where they're going to be going forward. I mean, this is probably my the game I'm looking forward to most this week. Personally, don't see Indiana winning this game. Uh, I don't think ESPN really gives them much of a chance either. I think they're giving them a 10% chance to win this game. I just think that uh, Justin Fields and the Buckeyes are probably going to be too much for them to handle. I agree. I mean, and that's no slight on Indiana or anything. I mean, Justin Fields and, and the Buckeyes are too much for – 99% of teams to handle. So not a nothing crazy if they lose. lose right. There. It's just, I think it's just a good test for them to see, see where they're at. Yeah. And I, I don't think that Indiana necessarily has no chance to win this game. When you look at it, uh, Ohio State averaging 46 points a game, Indiana 33, and Ohio State's also giving up 23, whereas Indiana's only giving up 19 points per game. You know, I think it could possibly be a close game. Ohio State is giving them 20 and a half points. That's a huge spread. Possibly a game I could see, you know, putting money on because that, that spread is is pretty wide, and I think Indiana is pretty good. But, yeah, I, I, I see Ohio State winning that game. I don't know if they cover, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, personally it, don't think they'll cover. That, that's a lot of points. It is almost, you know, almost three touchdown favorite. So that's pretty big spread. And we'll see. I mean, not only I mean, this is Ohio State's really, you know, it's their first big test of the year as well. But they are the higher ranked team and the high, more high powered offense. Uh, so it would be interesting to see that defense of Indiana match up against Ohio State's offense. And we'll see. I mean, I, I think that Indiana can put up points on Ohio State. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't bet against that spread or I'd bet with that spread. I'm in agreement with that. So moving on to presumably what is going to be a slaughter, Clemson <laughs> and FSU. Yeah, you got Clemson coming off that loss to Notre Dame. They get Trevor Lawrence back. They had a bye week going into this game. It's it's not looking good for Florida State this season much less in this game, you know, they're giving them a not even a two and a half percent chance to win this game. So <laughs> the spread on this game, 35. Oh my God. That is a massive spread. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't Clemson see it. To, I'm taking Clemson to cover. Clemson to cover. Florida State, well, they, you know, they had a bunch of people that are no longer with the team anymore. Their uh, star wide receiver, Tamarion Terry, uh, he's opted out for the rest of the season or 
is I think the I think injuries are possibly the reasoning behind that. They don't they're without Marvin Wilson, one of their best uh, defensive linemen, and there, there's a couple of others that have recently decided to forego the rest of this season, whether it be due just to opting out or you know injury. But I don't I don't see this as being a close game. Clemson has something to prove now. They lost a game to Notre Dame that they could have won with their backup quarterback, who who's no slouch. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna give DJ credit where credit is due, but they were down on defense as well with a you know like three key players out. So I see this as just yeah, like you said, it's, it'll be a slaughter. I don't I don't see this being a close game. If I were rooting for FSU in this game, I would probably find something else to watch. Oh, absolutely. There's got to be other games that you care about more than this one as an FSU fan. I mean, yeah. you know it's not going to be competitive. Clemson yeah. might drop 70. I mean, I was yeah, I was thinking maybe maybe higher. I don't know <laughs> if I don't know if Florida State um, will be able to put up more than anything over 21 against Clemson. I'd be surprised if they put up that much with just the attrition that they've had and I think oh, they're not going to have uh, black men, so their backup quarterback will now be, um, I think, Rodemaker behind Travis. So, yeah, I mean, you got a quarterback who's missed two games that's, you know, in even without those two games, has thrown for 1,800 yards, 17 touchdowns, and only two interceptions. And then you got Jordan Travis, who's about 1,000 yards back from that with only four touchdowns and five interceptions passing. Oh, geez. That's rough. Yeah. I mean, the guy had six touchdowns, uh, six rushing touchdowns, and four, almost 470 yards on 85 carries. So he's a, he's a threat to run the ball. I watched Miami and Clemson play real closely, and, you know, King, I believe, you know, is is a similar threat. Uh, I think he's more a passing threat than what Travis is, but he, he's obviously a threat to run the ball, and Clemson – more or less negated that for the majority of the game, so I just I don't see I don't see Travis being able to get anything going because they're going to have to count for him running the ball more so than him passing the ball. So I see I see this is uh, it's a big it's a big spread, but I, I do see the Clemson probably covering this. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a blowout. So uh, let's move on. Wisconsin and Northwestern. I think uh, I think this will be a good test to see where not only Wisconsin's at since we've only seen them twice, but right. Northwestern too. I mean, they could, they might be a force in the, in the big 10 as well, if they can pull this one off. Yeah. I mean, we'll see, you know, it's a seven and a half point spread, uh, Wisconsin giving them seven and a half points. So it, it, it seems like it should be pretty close game. You know, you got Northwestern, Right up there, they're four and zero. They've played more than Wisconsin has. You know, they played double the amount of games that they've played. They beat a decent Maryland team by a lot. I mean, they 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 destroyed Maryland, and then they've also beat Iowa, Nebraska, and Purdue, which really nothing to write home about. They weren't impressive in those games. Um, the Maryland game really surprised me, uh, where we sit right now, at least, because I think Maryland is a uh, I think Maryland has a decent team with baby Tua uh, at the reins, but we'll see. I mean, this is, this is Northwestern's first test and, you know, you could say the same for Wisconsin because I mean, they're, like I said, their big win right now is Michigan who 
not great. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't seen much of Wisconsin, but from what we have seen, it's been pretty impressive. Um, and they're averaging somewhere around 47 points per game. So, I mean, we'll see if Northwestern can stop that offense, primarily that rushing attack uh, with the 261 yards per game that they have going right now. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes for them. I haven't really watched much of either of these teams, to be honest. So I'm just excited to see how Wisconsin is because, I mean, I'm, I'm really just trying to find anybody in the Big Ten that can compete with Ohio State. So right. we'll see if Indiana's that team this weekend. Or, I mean, if, if one of these teams comes out and makes a statement, then we'll see how, how that goes for either of them. So, Yeah. Um, I, really, the only two ways I see this game going, I could see Wisconsin completely dominating this game or Northwestern keeping it close and maybe squeaking out a victory. I don't really see Northwestern blowing them out. Like I said, I mean, they only they average 28 points per game. A big chunk of those points per game came off that win versus Maryland. But since then, they really haven't put up a whole lot. There's roughly a 100-yard difference in total yards per game between these two that favors Wisconsin. So we'll see. I do think that Wisconsin coming out of this game, you know, if they can win big, I I can see them as a legitimate threat to Ohio State. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Hopefully somebody is a legitimate threat to Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State is top dog in the conference, but – you like you like to see competitive football, so hopefully Wisconsin is that team. Possibly Indiana. We'll find that out Saturday. But outside of those two teams, uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, you have Northwestern sitting right there at nineteen. But in a weird year with the pandemic and everything that's been going on, it's kind of hard to tell where teams really stand in the national picture, just because of how spread out everything's been. Uh, just from you know conferences starting late and all that so we'll find out what northwestern is truly about uh we do know that wisconsin typically has a solid team they typically put a a solid product on the field week in and week out so we'll find out what they're about we'll find out what northwestern's about hopefully wisconsin doesn't end up missing another game because believe if they miss one more game or have one more game canceled then and they don't have room for postponing anything because of starting so late so if wisconsin misses one more game this season then they'll be ineligible to compete in the conference championship oh man yeah because they've already had what two games canceled so far yeah because where they should be you know sitting at four games they've only played half of those so uh, they can't miss any more than three to be able to – or maybe two. Oh, I, I believe it's two. But I think if they miss three games, then that that puts them out of the picture when it comes to the, the conference championship. Well, that would suck for them. Hopefully they uh, make it through the rest of the season healthy so they – if they are up for it, compete yeah. for the Big Ten title. Right. They need to have everybody in a bubble on that football team. No kind of social life whatsoever. I imagine a lot of them are probably doing online courses for the for at least this year. So they, they got to protect that team as much as possible because they cannot afford to miss another game. Yeah, I agree. 
So let's move into the Mississippi State versus UGA game. You have UGA sitting at four and two, number 13 in the nation, coming off that loss to Florida. I know you are a Georgia fan, so I'm going to let you give your thoughts on this game. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's really just your classic offense versus defense kind of deal. Any Mike Leach team is going to put up some points on you. So it's just uh, – I think it's just how we – go about stopping that and I'm really more so than that I'm just interested to see what we're going to do at the at the QB position just because I think the season is I think it's pretty much a wash at this point I feel like the program is at the point where it's pretty much championship or bust and it has been for years now so with us having two losses probably not going to make the sec championship the playoff none of that i think we should just experiment with the other qbs that we have on the roster because i mean obviously dewan mathis and stetson bennett aren't cutting it for us i mean they're they're not terrible quarterbacks but they're not the level of quarterback that we need to compete at the level that we want to compete at so i don't see why we don't give either jt daniels or Carson Beck, some snaps, see what they offer. I mean, I don't – we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't really see this game being close. I think Georgia, regardless of the QB situation, I think that they'll be able to do what they want on the ground versus this Mississippi State team. Outside of their win versus LSU, who we know is not good, they haven't put up any more than 24 points in any other game, and that was in one game. They have two 14-point games, and the loss versus Alabama, they scored zero, and they scored two versus Kentucky. So not even an offensive touchdown and or an offensive score, for that matter, in those two games. They had the safety versus Kentucky. They did nothing against Alabama, who um, is obviously – the better team and, you know, top team in the nation right now. So I don't know. Mike Leach's high powered offense hasn't really came to fruition in the SEC yet. We'll see what they can do. I kind of had high hopes on Costello going into this season. And I thought that I thought that Leach uh, running that offense, I thought that it would be pretty good. And, you know, opening weekend for the SEC, it seemed to be that way. But uh, on the year, Costello has just shy of 1,300 yards, six touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Jesus. Yeah, they're averaging 16.3 points per game, and they're allowing 27.5 points per game. So those numbers don't favor you. And it's kind of hard to win games when you're averaging less points per game than what you're giving up. Right. I mean, I guess that's a that's a reason they're at two and four right now. So, yeah, looks like in all of their losses, too. I mean, except for except for against Vandy or which they won that game. But right. Except for against Arkansas, all of their losses are pretty much at at the minimum two touchdown losses. I mean, you look at the loss to Texas A&M. 28-14, 28-14, Kentucky 24-2, and then the Bama loss, which is 41-0. to zero. Right. Um, just not a good year for them. Obviously a down year, but we'll see. We'll see how this week goes for them. I'm, I'm confident that we'll cover the spread on this one, but we'll see how it goes. 
Yeah, and the the spread on this is uh, Georgia giving Mississippi State 25 points. Pretty substantial. I guess the one bright spot you could look at, or the more optimistic point of view, I, I should say, in this game is that they average about 303 yards passing a game, which going up against Georgia, if you were going to pick a spot to beat them, it would definitely be in the passing game because Georgia's rush defense is elite. Uh, and they're they're actually only averaging 21.5 rushing yards per game. Jesus. That's terrible. They they might not run the ball at all versus Georgia. <laughs> but Straight yeah, air raid. Yeah, that 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 yards per rush might go down or yard uh rushing yards per game might go down after this week. But yeah, I don't I don't see Mississippi State being able to to hold. I think Georgia controls the time of possession. Uh, on the ground, and I just don't think that Mississippi State's offense will have the time to get going. I think Georgia's defense, even without LeCount, I don't know if Mississippi State has what it takes, even passing the ball, to to be able to torch Georgia's secondary and put them up, or or even pull away. Because uh, I don't see, I don't see, I don't really don't see Mississippi State being able to get anything going offensively. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it – I'm not going to say it'll be an easy win, but I, I think it'll be uh, – I think we'll cover that that 25 points. So yeah. Take that as you will. I mean, that'll be that'll be a substantial amount of points to cover. But like I said, if Georgia can keep their ground game going and even implement a tiny amount of the passing attack into that offense, then I think it should be – it should be manageable to cover that spread. Yeah. I agree with that. So uh, let's move on to what sh- what looks to be a solid game: uh, Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma. Yeah, a classic. One of the top running backs in the nation going up against Spencer Rattler and the Oklahoma Sooners. Shaky start for Oklahoma. They've since turned this game around. You know, Oklahoma State looking pretty good. Uh, they did run into Texas and lost that game in – I know it was overtime. I can't remember if it was – I can't remember if it was double overtime or not. But they did lose that game. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. So, they did lose to Texas. So, um, it's not crazy to think that they might lose this game to Oklahoma. You know, they did, they did beat Iowa State, which was a solid win for them. Uh, but like I said, I just – with them losing to Texas two games ago, I don't know. I mean, I think Oklahoma, like I said, they, they've come on strong uh, in the past couple weeks, and they're not looking too bad. I mean, they're they're putting up they're putting up a, a solid amount of points week in and week out for the past four games. And I don't know. I I can see this. I can see this being a close game. But I could also see Oklahoma blowing this one wide open. Yeah, and I don't really see I don't really see it the other way around. You know, I don't. I could see this going like you mentioned with the Wisconsin Northwestern game. I could either see Oklahoma blowing it blowing it open, just blowing them out, or Oklahoma State squeaking out a close one. So, because I mean, if Oklahoma State's not really, I mean, they put up a lot of points against Kansas, but I don't even think Kansas has won a game. So we'll see how this goes. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Oklahoma for the 
quote unquote upset. The the betting favorite right now, yeah, Oklahoma minus seven. So they're giving Oklahoma State seven points. And um yeah, I could see I can definitely see this being an upset uh from a national ranking standpoint. Uh like I said, I mean Oklahoma's their their passing attacks not there. I mean, they only pass for about 220 yards a game, whereas you got Oklahoma, who's going uh, for 350 a game. So substantial amount of difference there, whereas, you know, they're only giving up 25. Oklahoma's only giving up about 25 rushing yards per game to OSU. So that's going to be their bread and butter. If they can control it on the ground and keep the time of possession in their favor – I see Oklahoma State having a good chance at winning this game. It's just one of those things. It's easier to get down and come back by airing it out than it is to get down and having to rely on a quarterback who hasn't been particularly good to bring it back for you, or much less handing the ball off to even you know one of the better running backs in the country and allow him to do it. Because even then, you just you you eat clock and you run out of time. Oh yeah, believe me, I I know all about that. So uh, speaking of speaking of one of the better running backs in the country, the segue into our next segment: top five running backs in the country right now. Who you got? I would go. I'll just go from five to one. Uh, I had Brees Hall at ISU at my five. Uh, go Khalil Herbert, Virginia Tech. At four, Javante Williams, UNC, and then I have Travis Etienne at Clemson and Najee Harris at Bama. Okay. So, I mean, that's pretty much what I had to, but the Georgia fan in me had to put Zamir White at number five. And then oh. I, I had uh, Reese Hall at four, Javante Williams at three, Etienne at two, and Najee Harris at one. So Right. I mean – the ACC, it just looks like, has so many running backs this year that are that are just going off. I, I put Khalil Herbert at number four. The guy's got 852 yards. He's averaging 8.2 yards per carry. Uh, he only had six touchdowns. Um, but Clemson was – or no, sorry, not Clemson, but Virginia Tech has had the COVID bug. Uh, a lot of this year. I mean, they've had, I think at one point they had 25 players not playing in games and they were still putting a team on the field somehow or another. I think, <laughs> I think once they started getting people back, it dropped down to about 13 or so. But for, for that guy to have those numbers on a team that hasn't been particularly good, I think that's pretty impressive. You know, and, and obviously Javante Williams for UNC, he's been going crazy. We know that ETN's one of the best in the country. And then Najee Harris, I, I have him at number one based off of the fact that he has more touchdowns, and I think he's played a tougher schedule than what Clemson has. So uh, that's my reasoning for throwing Harris up there at one. I can agree with that, but I really wanted to uh, just give a shout-out to this to Brees Hall. I mean, the guy, only guy in the country with over 1,000 yards already, uh, 13 touchdowns. I mean, dude's been going insane. Yeah, I mean he has um, he he carries the workload over there, and that shows because he does have more carries than anybody on either of our lists. But I mean the guy's still averaging six point three yards per carry. I mean that's that's elite. 
And it doesn't matter yeah. who you're who you're playing uh, at the level that he's playing at, doing that regardless of what your schedule shows. I mean, that's impressive. Right. Yeah. I mean, if he's gonna get you six yards of carry, might as well keep giving it to him. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll just kind of give a little bit extra. Uh, you got ETN, 634 yards, uh, 5.2 per carry, 10 touchdowns. Again, you know, probably on my list, the the worst player statistically. But the guy was a first-rounder last year. Don't know why he came back. Had no reason to come back. He should have went into the pros, uh, saved a year of his body. But somehow or another, Dabo and Clemson seem to be able to get – people to come back for their senior seasons, even when it doesn't necessarily benefit them to do so. So shout out to that guy. I wish, I wish Miami had the ability to do that. Meanwhile, we send juniors out undrafted instead of them coming back. So whatever Dabo is doing, good job. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's move on to the NFL. So a few notable games, just run through these real fast. So tomorrow we have, the Cardinals and the Seahawks. That, that ought to be a good one. Yeah, I like that game a lot. Hopefully, we can see Russell Wilson get back on track. Uh, like we talked about last episode, he has removed himself from the MVP talk. Guy has 10 interceptions on the season. Uh, a lot of those coming in the last um, probably two or three games. And went from MVP caliber to – really not even in the conversation anymore. And on the other side, you got Kyler Murray, who is kind of inserting himself into that conversation. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Uh, I mean, Kyler Murray's been going crazy from that catch, that uh, D-hop catch last week, and then they get a quick turnaround and see how they fare against Seattle, who hasn't particularly been good on defense even adding Jamal Adams back into the uh, into the lineup, still haven't been particularly good at stopping people. So we'll see. I think that's going to be a shootout, personally. I could see it that way, for sure. Seattle allowing four, almost 460 yards a game, right? I don't, I don't see – I'd like to know the over. I think the over-under on this game is 57, 57, 58. So that's likely to be broken. I could see it definitely going over that number. Uh, I mean, these two teams putting up over 58 points, I, I don't think that's crazy to think. But a, a really good Thursday night matchup. I would I'm say like, that's likely. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this game. It's in Seattle. Yeah, it's in Seattle. So we'll see. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good matchup. I, I guess if I had to pick, I'm probably going to go Arizona in this game. I just think they've been the better team as of late. Uh, they did lose to Miami, but Miami is streaking. They only lost by three points. It did take a, a Hail Murray to win the game against Buffalo last week. But, I mean, that throw the – th- I mean, the, the catch was impressive. But the throw by Kyler running to the left, coming back, throwing across his body, and just drops a dime right where it has to be. Not where it needs – I mean, it had to be yep. there. Because if it's if it's a slight amount off, then that ball's not catchable, and uh, Hopkins does not come down with that. So, I mean, what a throw, what a throw, what a catch, what an ending to that game. But like I said, I think I think Arizona right now, uh, I would probably go with them in this game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next up, my Falcons 
travel into New Orleans to take on the Drew Breesless Saints. Yeah, kind of interested to see. I'm not sure if they announced Winston as the starter or not for the Saints, uh, but that definitely makes it interesting, the fact that they don't have Drew Brees. The, the Falcons, while the record doesn't show, not a terrible team. Uh, they've lost some heartbreakers, and I could I could see them not having – I could see the Saints not having Drew Brees as a problem for them. Oh, without a doubt, especially if Jameis is starting because, I mean – you know he throws to the other team just as much as he throws to his own team. So yeah, we'll he see does. How that goes. We've we've struggled. We've struggled especially in the uh, in the secondary. And I think I would much rather play against Jameis Winston than Drew Brees, obviously. So yeah, I, I I wouldn't say we have no chance to win this game, but I think the chances are are small. Yeah, I mean, it's a five-point spread uh, in favor of the Saints. So, you know, that obviously somebody in in Vegas thinks that this should be a good game. So, we'll see. But you have Kamara, who's one of the top running backs in the country or in the in the league. So, we'll see how that goes. Uh, on the other side, the Falcons have Todd Gurley, who's no slouch. And I, I, I do see that. I see this being a close game. Uh, New Orleans being the favorite, I, I, I mean, I, like I said, without Breeze, throwing Jameis in there, it it depends on who you get. If you get a Jameis who's on point, I mean, it could it could get ugly. But if if Jameis comes in and he has trouble, you know, keeping possession of the ball, then the the Falcons could definitely pull away. Yeah, they'll pull away until the uh, until the fourth quarter. Typically, how it goes. <laughs> Little fourth fourth quarter meltdown by the Falcons. That would be probably the most normal thing to happen in 2020. Uh, moving it's forward, for the course at this point, right? Uh, moving forward, Tennessee at Baltimore. Who you got? Uh, I think I'm going to roll with Baltimore on this one. Uh, coming off that ugly loss to the Patriots, and then you got a uh, Titans been kind of kind of sucking it up lately other than that win over the bears but i mean they've lost three of their last four after a pretty good start and i I just i think baltimore is going to bounce back and and get the dub here yeah titans you know their their loss to cincinnati was terrible uh losing a pit by three not bad you know that's 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 nothing really to hang your head about they yeah they haven't been great and Baltimore hasn't been great either. You know, they they lost to New England last week in a game that I really wouldn't have – I mean, I re, honestly, at this point, I don't favor New England really against anybody. Uh, I can see some of their games being a wash, <laughs> but that game is – or that team is – it's just garbage. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. This, this one's a toss-up for me. If I had to pick, I'd probably go with Baltimore just off the fact – of what Lamar Jackson can be. But on the other side, Tannehill hasn't been terrible. I mean, he's been better than Lamar Jackson this season. We just know we, – we know what we've seen from Lamar, whether or not teams are figuring him out, which it seems to be the case. I don't know. I mean, Tannehill, Derrick Henry, you know, that's that's a, that's a good combination. So, 
like I said, it's a toss up, but I'm I'm going to go with Baltimore. I think uh, I think it's bounce back time for the Ravens. So we'll see. Yeah, I think it'll be good for them. I mean, I, I would honestly say I'm not going to say this is a must win, but I think it would. It's it's super important for them to get this win this week going into that game against the Steelers next week, right? Because that that's going to be for all the marbles right there. I mean, if the Steelers win that game, they're probably going to go undefeated. So, yeah. We'll yeah, see I mean, how it goes, though. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, when you look at Baltimore's losses, Pittsburgh, KC, and the bad loss versus New England, which, um, you know, a game they had a chance to win. So, not particularly bad losses on their part. You know, KC, probably the best team in the league. Or, I, in my opinion, I think that KC holds up more than Pittsburgh does, regardless of, you know, record goes. But, uh, again, two two great teams this season that they've lost to, and they have the bad loss versus New England. But every team typically has their slip-up game. So, yeah, we'll see. Now we can move on into the KC – versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, Kansas City trying to uh, avenge their only loss this season, and I think they will do just that. I don't see I don't see them losing to anybody twice in a season. Uh, Pat Mahomes, that offense is is just too good. Yeah, and they have too many weapons. It's almost impossible to stop them. Yeah, I I agree. I see. I mean, they have the better quarterback. They have, you know, I mean, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. He's a really good running back. They have Travis Kelsey at the tight end position. I see them as clearly the better team. I mean, it's a close, close spread. They're only getting a touchdown, uh, or Las Vegas is getting a touchdown. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, like you said, only loss of the season, but they are outgaining them in total yards, and they're allowing slightly less yards per game. I'm, I'm excited to watch this game as well. We'll probably be in the middle of recording while this is going on, so I'll have to I'll have to keep up with that while we're doing this. So yeah, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on it. Also, uh, want to give a shout out to uh, DeAndre Baker getting all those all his charges dropped. The guy, the uh, opposing attorney, just got arrested for I believe it was extortion or something like that. Wow. Um, and reports reports are saying that he's going to sign with the Chiefs practice squad. So, oh, I mean, nice. if, he's, if he's anything how he was, I think he'll get bumped up, get some play in time pretty quickly. So, that would be huge for them. Add another solid defensive piece. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. He's, he's a great player. He'll have to work through that uh, with the time off that he's had, but uh, I can definitely see him and him being a, a solid addition to that team. Yeah. So let's move on to the uh, Monday night game. Got a good one. Rams and Bucks. Who you got? Another toss-up game, which, you know, is probably why we're talking about this game as well. I'd have to go with the Bucks right now. I don't know why, but, you know, with – their most recent loss being in New Orleans, uh, that, and it was a bad loss. Uh, but they bounced back against Carolina, torched that defense one-handedly. Um, you know, they beat Green Bay. They beat Las Vegas. I mean, those are those are some pretty solid wins right there. And 
I think that Tom Brady and uh, Ronald Jones, I think they'll be too much for for uh, the Rams to handle. I think I'm going to go the opposite direction on this one. I think I'm going to pick the Rams. I think that defense is something serious. I mean, you got put Jalen Ramsey on uh, Mike Evans and then just let Aaron Donald eat down there. I mean, but offensively is where I really worry about the Rams, which – I mean, in their last three wins, they put up 23, 24, and 30. So, I mean, with, with a defense of that caliber, that's enough to win you games. But I, yeah. I just think against Tampa Bay, you can you can slow them down. But I just – unless you're the Saints, apparently, I don't think you're going you're gonna to stop them consistently. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That's all I got for NFL. We'll touch on the main card in the UFC – uh, this weekend, uh, like I said earlier, we got two title fights, and outside of that, not a not a not a terrible card, but not not a not a not a great card either. Um, you got Figueredo defending his title against Perez, um, and then you got Shevchenko defending her title against Maya. Uh, we'll just start with the co-main, and just tell me your thoughts on that fight shout out jennifer maya for getting the shot but i think shevchenko is just too good for anybody in the division right now i don't see anybody at flyweight beating her honestly i don't see i only see one person in women's mma as a whole beating her and that's amanda nunez everybody else i'm pretty i would feel confident saying that she would win a fight against them she's just that good yeah i mean she's definitely pound for pound one of the best female fighters we've ever seen uh if you're a betting man and you have any kind of suspicion that maya might win this shevchenko is the minus 1450 favorite in this fight so some money to be won there uh but there's a reason why she is a favorite by that much and it's because there's just not much of a chance for it to happen i I don't see I don't see Maya winning this fight. I don't see it being close. I think it'd be early finish. I, you know, really and truly, if this fight is stopped outside of round three, I'd, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I could agree with that. I just think, I mean, if you look at Shevchenko, she really doesn't have any holes in her game whatsoever. I mean, she's elite on the ground. Stand-up is elite. I mean, multiple time, I think it was Muay Thai maybe kickboxing world champion. Uh, I mean, she's she's elite wherever the fight goes. So that's why I'm picking her decisively. Right. And like you said, I mean, Amanda Nunez really being the only person who has been able to stop her and what she's doing. But we can let's, – let's segue that into our main event. Uh, you got – Figueredo going against Perez. I don't really pay attention a whole lot to this uh, to this division. I know you had Cejudo retire, which kind of left it wide open. So you're looking at Figueredo, who only has one loss, coming from Jesse Air Formiga. You know, the guy's solid. Uh, he's beat Benavidez in his last two fights, uh, both by finish, one sub, one KO, both early. You know, it's not a a big differential in the betting. So I don't, 
I don't really know who to pick this fight. Uh, I'm I'm personally gonna take Figueredo. I just think his punching power for for that division is is unparalleled. But I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to see Perez win. I mean, he's yeah. a crafty guy, and he could. I mean, he'll he'll figure something out. I'm sure they'll have a good game plan going into it. But oh, yeah. I just see Figueredo's power just being too much for him. Yeah. I can, I can definitely see that. Uh, like I said, I, I know more about Figueredo than I do Perez. I do know that uh, he did finish uh, Formiga in his last fight. So, you know, no slouch there. I'm not sure if Formiga is possibly out of his prime uh, and maybe more so a gatekeeper in that division now than he is an actual title threat. Uh, you know, it's kind of the guy that you can beat to get put in the title conversation or possibly get a shot off there. So, I mean, I really don't know. I'm going to go for, I'm going to go Figueredo on this and that's based solely off the fact uh, how little I know about Perez. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get that. I mean, this division is, I won't say it's the least exciting division, but it's not the most exciting. I mean, you got Figueredo is in my opinion, other than Cejudo, probably, the most exciting fighter to come out of this division other than, like I said, Cejudo and then obviously Mighty Mouse, who is up there in the GOAT conversation. So you got to give him his credit. But Figueredo, I mean, he's a, he's a finisher, man. He goes he goes for the kill. Yeah, there's a couple stats. You got Figueredo, who's the more accurate striker. Less volume, though. He he lands less significant strikes per minute than Perez does. But again, I mean, I feel like Figueredo has been up there at the top uh, at least a little bit longer than Perez has. So we'll see. I think that's a good fight. I can see it going either way, but um, my heart's telling me Figueredo. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. Both champions retaining. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So let's uh, let's move into some NBA talk. Uh, we'll go over some draft, uh, which is coming up tonight, and we'll talk uh, a few more trades that we didn't get into or that have recently come up uh, that we didn't talk about on this past episode. And uh, like I said, just start with the draft. Um, I'll let you give your thoughts on who you think or on who you think will go top three. Uh, top three. So I think it's, it's pretty much common knowledge that, that these three guys are going to go in the top three. I think the order is up for debate. Um, so the way that I have it, I have Anthony Edwards going first, uh, to the Timberwolves. I just think they could use another score. I mean, they have D'Angelo Russell. He can run the offense for him. You got cat down low. Obviously he's, statistically the best shooting big of all time. Um, and then just adding another guy that can space the floor and finish inside too with, and I mean, he was averaging, I think one, one and a half steals a game too. So, I mean, no slouch on defense either. Uh, second overall pick, I got James Wiseman going to the Warriors unless they decide to trade that pick, which is up in the air. Um, I just think that they have pretty much every position covered. 
on their roster except for center. And I think that would be I think that would be good for them. I mean, he's gonna score, he's gonna grab rebounds and protect the rim at a at a high level as well. So I see James Wiseman going second to the Warriors. And then third overall, LaMelo going to the Hornets. I I personally think he's a better point guard than both of the point guards that they have now. Uh, Devontae Graham coming off of, I want to say he won most improved player this year. I can't really remember, but um, he's, he was amazing for them this year. And then you got Terry Rozier, but I feel like if you're, I feel like if you're the Hornets, you're, you're looking at LaMelo and if he's available at three, you're definitely going to grab him. Yeah. I definitely have to agree with all that, uh, especially on the, the golden state pick uh, with, you know, like you said, I mean, if, they're lacking at any position. It would probably be a big man. So I could definitely see that as a strong possibility. I could also see him trading, uh, you know, for that pick. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, definitely something to watch for tonight. And, you know, it's like, I mean, those three guys right there, they, I would also agree, you know, they're probably going to go in that order for one, but I do, I'm in agreement with you on the fact that they are the best three in that class. Yeah. It's kind of a, kind of a, a three headed monster, I guess you will in this draft. I mean, there's other guys that, uh, that you could look, that you could look at, but I don't, I don't see anybody going in the top three uh, other than, other than these three guys. I mean, you got Tyrese, uh, what's his last name? Halliburton. I think he's a good he's a good three and D guy that could maybe you could see him going somewhere in that in that top five range. But when it comes to the one through three, I think it's it's these three and then the rest. Yeah, another guy to kind of keep an eye on, uh, and just in my opinion, uh, somebody who I've watched play at the collegiate level, Patrick Williams, coming out of Florida State. I think he has a pretty good chance to go in the top ten of this class. I mean. The dude, dude, dude was solid for Florida State. I mean, he gave he gave Miami hell whenever he was in Tallahassee. So he he's a he's a great player himself. Um, I can see him kind of working his way up there, uh, possibly maybe getting in the top five as far as picks are concerned. Okay, yeah, I'll have to look into him. Uh, let's go into the trade rumors or trades that have happened. Um, I'm not sure of any more trade rumors uh, that we haven't already discussed, but uh, we can get into some trades that are, uh, that are happening. Okay. So obviously first up, I believe we touched on it uh, on the episode Sunday, but uh, you got Schroeder to the Lakers for the 28th overall pick and Danny green. So I'll just go ahead and, and give my thoughts on that. Uh, So I think that's perfect for them, especially considering Rondo's probably not going to re-sign. So need somebody to run the point guard position. And Schroeder is perfect for that. Uh, Plays good off the ball. Gives good shot creation when he does have the ball. Can play make. I mean, maybe not the best defender, uh, but... I'm sure they'll they'll make up for that in other areas with Schroeder. So I, I like the move from the from the Lakers. Yeah, solid move for sure. Um, 
and then you also have OKC. They will be giving up Ubre, Rubio, Jerome, and can never pronounce that guy's name, Laquay, and a 2022 I first think that's round. That's what pick. it is. Yeah, and a 2022 first round pick for Chris Paul, Nader, uh, going to the Suns. What you us. think? Uh, I mean, I think it bodes well, probably more for the Suns, in my opinion. I don't know. I mean, it's – you never really know because, I mean, you don't know how these picks are going to play out. So, that's one thing. But, I mean, getting Ubre and Rubio, I think, is is a solid pickup. You know, and then on the other side, you have Paul, who's future Hall of Famer. So, I mean, I really don't know. I mean, there's so many things that go into all this. I mean, it's it's more than what a player appears to be. So you can have great players uh, and put them on teams where you know they just don't gel together and you know have problems with the coaching staff or maybe even the front office. It, I mean, it depends. But I mean, if, if just going off paper. I'd probably have to say that the Suns are getting the better end of the deal on this one. I would agree. Uh, I think it's kind of it's kind of showing me that the Suns are are in win now mode instead of prepared for the future, which I I think is a good move for for Devin Booker's sake at least. Uh, I think the the backcourt with Chris Paul and Devin Booker is going to be lethal. And you still got uh, DeAndre Ayton down low, which we'll see. How, I think he's going to have a coming out season this year with Chris Paul at, at the point guard. I think he could – I think he'll help him a lot. And then, obviously, I mean, Chris Paul, like you said, future Hall of Famer, one of the best point guards of all time. Would really love for the dude to win a ring, but yeah, I personally don't see it happening. Uh but yeah, I like I like this trade for both teams, and I'm pretty sure with that first round pick, I think the Thunder are up to like 17 first round picks in the next seven years. Wow, something ridiculous like that. Yeah, that's that's substantial right there. I yeah, I wasn't aware of that, but that that is that's pretty huge. You you'd think they'd probably be able to do something with that, right? I mean, and that's so many. So many trade assets too. If you're trying to, oh, absolutely. I know they're probably they're probably going full rebuild mode now, but it seems that way. I mean, they got they're setting themselves up for the future. Sam Presti's going crazy over there. Man's got to be in the freaking executive of the year conversation. Yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got Portland. They are getting Covington for Ariza the 16th overall pick in tonight's draft, and then also a uh, 2021 first-round pick. And like I said, I mean, that's between them and Houston. So I I think this pick, or this trade rather, will be beneficial for both teams. But I do think they might, Portland might have overpaid a little bit for Robert Covington. I mean, he's a, he's a damn good player. I mean, he could play the three, the four, and I mean, in in the Rockets' case, he even played some small ball five. But I, I just giving up two first round picks and Trevor Ariza for that, I, 
I don't know. I think they might have overpaid. But if you're if you're in Portland, kind of the same with the Suns. I think they're just trying to win now while Dame and CJ are still yeah in their primes. Uh, but yeah, that's that's really how I see that trade panning out. I, I think they'll be. I think Portland will be a contender, but I, I still don't see them beating any of the the big three in the West. Right. I mean, yeah, it, it does seem to be a short-term fix for them. And, I mean, like you said, it's just something to get them where they need to be now while they have what they have. So, you know, could come back to bite them in the end, but we'll see. I mean, two first-round picks plus Ariza, that's, that's a lot. But we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, and we got a couple – Milwaukee trades to get into. Uh, you got Drew Holiday for Bledsoe Hill, then three first round picks and two pick swaps to uh, New Orleans. Uh, it, it's kind of crazy because if I'm not mistaken, I believe this is what the Lakers traded to get Anthony Davis, a yeah. top five player in, in the league. But uh, I mean, if you're Milwaukee, you're you're trying to get Giannis to stay. You got to beef up. I mean, you're kind of selling out on on the same thing as the last two teams. I mean, you're going for a win now. I mean, Eric Bledsoe and Drew Holiday. They have their similarities, but I believe Drew Holiday is a better shooter. I mean, if you listen to some interviews with, I know Kevin Durant said it, and I've heard a couple other people say it. Drew, they say that Drew Holiday is the best defender in the league. I mean, so, you could definitely make that argument. But Right. And then you got George Hill, who I believe led the NBA in three-point percentage last year, 46 47%. So, I mean, they're taking a hit on depth. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to get Giannis to stay. So, I mean, you got you to gotta reach in your pocket sometime for that. So. Yeah, selling the bag to to get one of the best players in the world to stay is definitely what's going on there. I mean, they and they kind of have to because you got to think that if they're putting the same product on the floor as this past season, Giannis is probably looking elsewhere. Definitely. So that brings us to the next trade for Milwaukee. They got uh... – Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Kings for Dante DiVincenzo, Ersan Ilyasova, and DJ Wilson. So I'll let you give your thoughts on that. I mean, Bogdanovich is good. I mean, that's, that goes without saying. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I see this as a good trade. You're giving up a lot, but I really don't think you're giving up anything that's gonna hurt you necessarily i mean i don't i don't really know i think adam bogdanovich is more substantial than uh losing the other three in my personal opinion i can agree with that i mean you're getting a knockdown three-point shooter right you're losing depth again i mean so this is this is kind of how i'm looking at it milwaukee probably has one of the best starting fives in the league but they might only have five players left on the roster. I mean, <laughs> right. who knows? Yeah, those guys are me. Those guys are me running up some minutes. 
but they will have a solid product on the floor, even though they might have to run probably three quarters of the game. Right. Yeah, they they're gonna be running for sure. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how we'll see what Milwaukee does to uh, beef up the bench a little bit. But I mean, other than that, I, I really do like their starting five. I mean, you got Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Bogdanovich, Giannis. And I guess Brooke Lopez would still be starting at the five. So I would assume, yeah. The spacing is there. It's really all you can ask for when you're playing with Giannis. I mean, he's kind of like LeBron in the sense that needs shooters around him. Right. Yeah. We'll see how that goes for him. I don't know if it's going to be enough for them. I don't even know. I don't know if that'll be enough for them to even come out of the East. But uh, you know, if they do, I don't believe it'll be enough to get through some of the teams they have in the West. And it kind of seems like this year that you have a lot of West to East movement throughout these trades. Yeah. (laughs) It's like you got James Harden and Russell Westbrook trying to, trying to move. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You get LeBron in LA and AD in LA and everybody starts going East. (laughs) Hey, they'll say the West is weak this year. And it might. It really might. I mean, it's it's definitely a shift from normality. Another kind of, I guess, update. You got the New York Knicks who are moving up in the draft tonight. They're getting Utah's number twenty-three pick in exchange for the number twenty-seven and number thirty-eight selections. So giving up two for one big one. So I. They they also have I know the Knicks have the number eight pick as well. Yeah. Um, so that make that makes me wonder if they're gonna try and package those together to move up even farther. Which if I'm a Knicks fan, honestly, I don't even know what the Knicks need. They need a lot. They need you know, yeah, they, they need a lot. So we'll see what they try and do with that. I have I've heard that if if they are gonna package those to those two picks and maybe Mitchell Robinson to the, to the uh, Warriors for the second pick. Right. Cause I mean, that would be, that would be a win for both teams in my opinion. Cause then you get, you get Mitchell Robinson at the five for golden state. And then if you're the Knicks, you, you move up to the number two pick, but we'll, we'll see how that yeah. goes. I can see that. That's, all I have on NBA trading or draft for that matter. Is there anything else you wanted to add to it? No, that's all I got. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Go follow us on Twitter at padding stats pod. And you can follow me on Twitter at Bose B O Z E P T S P. And uh, you can drop your Twitter handle. Uh, my Twitter is at TK. TSP. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, we will be back on Sunday for our weekend review. Yep.